I saw a college student once with a, wearing a t-shirt that said, Ask me why I'm Catholic. Ask me why I'm Catholic. I thought, well, I'm, I'm not sure I would wear a t-shirt like that. That's a fairly, that's a fairly bold request. Ask me why I'm Catholic. How many of us would wear a t-shirt like that? To the grocery store. Now, now I know what you're thinking, Father. I don't wear T-shirts. That's stop it. <laughs> Ask me why I am Catholic. It's a brilliant. Uh, it's kind of a brilliant way of proceeding because you'll notice that it's not the same as walking up to someone and saying. Allow me to tell you why I'm Catholic. And somebody's, you know, feeling the cantaloupes and they're like, um, can I just buy this cantaloupe? You know, I'm not really interested. Ask me why I'm Catholic. So if somebody says, okay, fine, why are you Catholic? Aha, they've asked. Now you get to give them an answer. But what answer would you give? Let me suggest to you one answer that you could give from the gospel today. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, abideth in me, and I in him. Just that. He that eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, abideth in me, and I in him. I am Catholic because I have God dwelling within me, and I dwell in God. That's why I'm Catholic. Well, how do you do that? Because I eat his flesh and I drink his blood. Well, that sounds like cannibalism. Yes, it does. It did on the day that he said it 2,000 years ago, and it still sounds like cannibalism today, but it isn't. It wasn't then. It isn't now. And if anyone other than God himself would have said this, eat my flesh because it is food indeed, drink my blood because it is drink indeed. If that person who gave that instruction was anyone other than God, we would denounce him as insane and we would never speak to him again. As it is, the one who gives us this instruction is God. Therefore, it behooves us to find how it is true that his flesh is meat indeed and his blood is drink indeed. Obviously, if you wore the t-shirt around that said, ask me why I am Catholic, and you gave a one-sentence answer, There is no one sentence that is going to describe everything that goes into your decision to be a practicing Catholic. However, all of the multitudinous reasons you have for being Catholic all point to one central, highest reason and highest idea and that 
is this one. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. The Catholic Church exists to make available to you here in Richmond, 2019. The Catholic Church exists to make available to you the flesh and the blood of Jesus who died, who walked on this earth, died, resurrected, and rose again into heaven 2,000 years ago. Jesus hasn't been here in his humanity for 2,000 years. And yet you, in Richmond 2019, you claim as a practicing Catholic to have available to you the flesh of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ. Where do you get the flesh and the blood of Jesus Christ? Is it in some warehouse somewhere? Have you been to Palestine? Are you 2,000 years old? If you are, you don't have to have your picture in the pictorial director. (laughs) The Catholic Church exists for the sake of making available to us that which is absolutely impossible. To make available to us the flesh and the blood of Jesus who walked on this earth 2,000 years ago. By the miracle of the priesthood, in a few moments' time, on this altar, is going to be made present to us. By the miracle of Holy Mass, conducted by the miracle of the priesthood, we are going to be in the presence of the miracle of the Eucharist. Miracles are not things that we hope to see one day. Miracles are things that are part of our daily life. Why are you a Catholic? He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood abideth in me and I in him. You are required as a practicing Catholic to attend Holy Mass. You are, as a practicing Catholic, baptized member of the church. As a baptized member of the church, you are a priest. Man or woman, child or adult, you are a priest. What is a priest? A priest is someone who offers sacrifice to God. What sacrifice do you have to offer to God? You have yourselves. You have your prayers. You have your checkbook. (laughs) But of all the things that you have to offer to God, You have Jesus Christ. You have Him. 
to offer to God. You have God to offer to God. You have the second person of the Blessed Trinity to offer to the first person of the Blessed Trinity. That is why you are attending Holy Mass. Not just attending as a spectator. You are attending as a priest. Someone who offers or participates in the offering of the sacrifice. Obviously, this is the priesthood of the laity, which is distinct from the priesthood of the ordained. But the priesthood of the laity, the priesthood of the baptized, is a real priesthood. You have the privilege of offering to God an infinitely pleasing offering. When you offer to God yourselves, well, you have warts and you have sins and you have faults and you have skeletons in your closet. Are you really sure that that offering of yourself is going to be pleasing to God? But you have the second person of the Blessed Trinity to offer to the first person of the Blessed Trinity. That is an infinitely pleasing, infinitely perfect infinitely pure sacrifice. It is your privilege to offer this sacrifice. It is also your responsibility to offer this sacrifice. It is a duty and a privilege. That is why your attendance at Holy Mass is required. It is for you to exercise your own priesthood in offering yourselves with our Lord as a sacrifice to God. This is the first aspect of the miracle of the Eucharist. It is connected intimately to the miracle of the priesthood. Both the priesthood of the laity and the priesthood of the ordained. For our Lord is made present by the priesthood of the ordained and then together In our own proper roles, we are offering ourselves with Jesus as Jesus offers himself to his Holy Father. The first aspect of the Eucharist is the aspect of sacrifice. The Eucharist is a sacrifice to God. The second aspect of the Eucharist is the aspect of communion. It is yet another aspect. It is a necessary part of the sacrifice, but only the priest must um, consume the sacrifice. It is not necessary that everyone had the ability and the privilege of receiving Holy Communion. Holy Communion is the second aspect of the Eucharist, which only follows upon the first aspect of the Eucharist. First, it is a sacrifice. And only second, it is a communion. If there is no sacrifice, there is no communion. Communion is second. But after we have offered this sacrifice to God, God is not satisfied with only receiving from us It is his greatest desire to give and to diffuse 
of his own goodness, that himself back to us. Therefore, the second aspect of the Eucharist is in Holy Communion. Holy Communion, therefore, after we have offered him to God the Father, God the Father comes and pierces time and space from heaven. From heaven. This gift of the flesh and the blood of Jesus, who is currently in heaven, reigning at the right hand of the Father. This flesh and this blood comes to us at the communion rail. From heaven to Richmond. On this day, to you, a personal gift from God to you. God wants to abide and live in you as you have lived in God. The container and the contained, both container and contained. This gift of the Holy Communion, then, is what our Lord refers to in the Gospel today. And this second aspect of the Eucharist is what you will say to the person at the, in the cantaloupe aisle. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood abideth in me and I in him. You will notice that communion only comes to us after we are baptized. Communion only comes to us after we are made a priest. The priestly sacrifice is first. Receiving Holy Communion, consuming that sacrifice is second. But there is yet another miracle of the Eucharist. And that is the miracle of the presence of our Lord in the tabernacle, where he abides with us here in his Eucharistic presence for us to come and spend time, not only in this tabernacle, but all the tabernacles of the world. Therefore, uh, spending time with him in the presence, in his presence, both exposed perhaps or even just in the tabernacle, is a way of continuing continuing his gift of Holy Communion, both a way of preparing to receive and in a way of uh, following up after we have received. So therefore, the Blessed Eucharist is a threefold sacrament, the sacrament of sacrifice, the sacrament of communion, the sacrament of presence. And all three of these are made available to us very easily. We haven't paid for these gifts. We haven't deserved these gifts. They come to us freely from the generosity of God. Ask me why I'm Catholic. I'm dying to tell you. I'm dying to tell you what you are missing, what God has in store for you. I have touched eternity in the flesh and the blood of my Savior. 
Every year I do a lesson with the First Holy Communicants, and I confuse them every time. It's kind of funny. I hold up an unconsecrated host, and I say to them, Is this piece of unleavened bread full of blood? And they all say the same thing every year. No. What would happen if I asked the adults in the room when I hold up a consecrated wafer of unleavened bread? Is it full of blood? Chock full of blood. Today, if you receive one of those consecrated wafers, you are drinking the blood of Christ in his Eucharistic presence. You are not only eating his flesh, you are indeed drinking his blood. For it is his resurrected flesh that we receive. He tells us quite clearly that it has come down from heaven. This resurrected flesh in the Eucharistic sacramental presence and this uh, flesh and blood that we consume is his glorified flesh and blood. And indeed, because he is living, his flesh and his blood are always together as anyone who is living. Our body and our blood are together. At Holy Mass, Father Gordon is very, in a few minutes' time, is going to have a double consecration. He's going to consecrate separately that bread and that blood, which is a symbolic representation of the fact that our Lord had to die in order to sacrifice himself to his Father. Therefore, his body and his blood were at one time separated. But before we receive Holy Communion, that body and blood will be put back together sacrament, uh, ceremonially. Father Gordon will put a small piece of the host into the chalice to represent the fact that death was not the last word. His resurrection is the last word and death will touch him no more. And so that resurrection then is what he wants to share with us in this gift of Holy Communion. So that this abiding we have in God and the abiding that God has in us is meant to be eternal. Where the death will not touch him and death will not touch us. Ask me why I am Catholic. I am Catholic because eternal life has come to me. I have eaten the flesh, and I have drank the blood of my Savior. And I abide in him, and he abides in me. God love you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.